So I think inclusive education um, gives opportunities where they are not. If you don't put the practical steps of um, mixing people with disabilities and people without disabilities together, I mean, how can you um, how can you pursue your equality agenda for your government? The flood was not pandemic related, COVID related, but when it came and people are already poor, they can't go to work, it even made life worse for, for the girls. Hello and welcome to the Disability Download. The Disability Download is brought to you by pan-disability charity Leonard Cheshire. I'm Erin O'Reilly and on this podcast we respond to current topics, share stories and open up conversations about disability. So for this month's episode, we're talking all about inclusive education. During lockdown and throughout the whole pandemic, education has been a hugely important topic. People are wondering how are children going to carry on learning from home? How will families be able to support that? When will schools reopen? And what does that look like when they do? And you know, that's something that's really affected children all around the world. For disabled children and their families, having access to education and the support that comes with that is so important. Not just during this time, but all the time. So in this episode, I catch up with Orpa Ogot, who works on the Girls Education Challenge programme in Kenya. It's an inclusive education programme which helps girls with disabilities access quality education. She tells us how the programme has had to adapt during lockdown and the things they've been doing to ensure that children can still access support and continue to learn throughout the pandemic. I also chat with Maria Najeri, who's a disability rights advocate from Kenya. We kind of talk much more generally about the importance of inclusive education and the difference that having access to a programme like that would have made to her life when she was at school. We also speak to Kyle to get that UK perspective on inclusive education, and he tells us what his school experience was like at an integrated school. So first up, let's hear from Maria. So Maria, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Obviously, inclusive education can probably mean a lot of different things to different people. And I think in some countries where maybe girls aren't necessarily encouraged to go to school in the first place, inclusive education can be even more so important. What would your school experience have been like if you had had access to an inclusive education programme? Thank you so much Erin for having me. Um, I want to say inclusive education is really a big investment into our societies and our communities. Um, for me, I think there would have been a huge difference if when I was learning there was inclusive education. First, I think school would have been something to look forward to. I, I didn't like going to school. Uh, I didn't feel like I belonged in school. and. Of course, inclusive education would have minimized the stigma and discrimination that a child with a disability faces um, when he encounters with other children or in a school setup. Secondly, I think the teachers would have been more accommodative and more inclusive, having received a training on inclusive education, 
school for you it was like the students and teachers made assumptions about you and your abilities based on your disability but actually they didn't really know anything about it and had they had the training and the knowledge they would have realized you could you could do it you just might, might have needed some extra support yeah 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 exactly that and also we have the both the assumptions and the contrast and unconscious biases where we already conclude that a child cannot do something, uh, they cannot read uh, the book along with the other students, but we come into conclusion about um, the child before giving them the opportunity and investing, investing time and effort into them. Obviously, you've kind of touched on your own experience with inclusive education and why it would have been so important to you and would have shaped your kind of school experience. On a more general level, why do you think inclusive education programmes are so important? especially for girls and girls with disabilities in particular? Inclusive education programs should be so important for girls, um, especially because it gives them a sense of belonging and a sense of value. Um, in our cultures, girls uh, are not given as much of a value they are raised up to be mothers and wives. 
and 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 for girls with disabilities, that's already out of the picture. And that's the value that the community gives gives girls. So having them go to school already gives them a sense that they belong somewhere else other than the community. And um, also they have a sense of value. And I'd go back to the many girls I've met who have managed to go through primary into high school. And most of them say, no one in my community or in my family put this bet on me. No one thought I'd learn and get to where I got. And many of them end up being more uh, fulfilled than the girls who never went to school. So I believe it also gives them a sense of achievement that even if we have a disability, uh, there's something more you can do, you can learn. And that's a very big thing in the community. So in terms of kind of inclusive education programmes, obviously the UK has, has done a lot in the past in terms of supporting um, children with disabilities into school. What difference do you feel UK aid makes in providing opportunities for young people with disabilities? Well, that's a big one because when we think about the exercise programs, the Girl Education Challenge program, and the hundreds of girls who have been educated not only in Kenya but around Africa. And the UK it has provided an opportunity that it would be unfortunate to say this, but our government would not have provided such an opportunity to girls and children with disabilities. And just um, the basic, the access to education for all children, regardless of their circumstance or impairment. And also like the discrimination now, I believe now that we have inclusive education, and inclusive education is uh, finding interest in many of our schools, there'd be less discrimination in our societies. And now I can even see the staircase when we are talking about inclusive employment, it will be easier five years or 10 years to come because um, the children now are going to inclusive education. So they already have a platform of 
interaction and exposure. And also, I believe UKH has really demystified sensitized the society on the importance of education for all. Everyone deserves to go to school. Everyone needs to go to school. And uh, um, other students are going up to the respect and the value and the belonging for each other. And this will go into a ripple effect, you know, in all of our society. Definitely. Yeah, I think, like you say, it starts from a young age. And if, if children go into schools, then it just completely changes their opportunities moving forward. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I had, uh, I had a very good time. Speak again soon. Next, our campaign support officer Joshua Reeves has a chat with Kyle to find out what his experience was like at schools in the UK. Kyle's views are his own. Can you introduce yourself please, Kyle? Sure. Hello, my name is Kyle Jamie Eldridge and I'm a volunteer for Leonard Cheshire. Okay. And um, obviously it's, it's good to have you on the podcast today. What was your um, school experiences like, Kyle? They were all inclusive. Yeah, I, I still remember um, the behavioural difficulties I incurred in nursery. Mm. Um, I still remember the going throughout the years. I used to attend um, weekly meetings with other d- disabled uh, pupils in primary school as well as secondary um yeah it was uh it's very it was very it was very inclusive indeed um so obviously your schools are very inclusive that that's good how do you think that your school experience would have been difficult if if it weren't um integrated and that would you think that it would have changed your approach to university mm. well I think it would have been very different, really, because um, I, I think it was very good, actually, due to the fact that um, my schools were integrated because it gave me the unique experience that, while it's a school, it gave me an understanding of what the real world was like and how to um, engage with common people, really. I was watching a video earlier um, about your script going it was a um, special school in Penarth and um, even they recognise of how they're trying to push the boundaries on disabled people um, and making their experience um, as tied with them of the needs of the, of the modern world and I feel like if I didn't have that exposure to what's happening in the real world with children in regular school how, how would I how would I know how, how would I um, be up to date with what's happening in politics what would I know what's happening up to date with uh, things on the news really I think being exposed to um, a normal school life is very good actually because um, like speaking with issues that are in school with like safeguarding speaking on issues in schools like um, sexual sexual education 
as well as and I think that was great for university really because um, when you're in university that is a whole different ball game when you go into university really because when students go there they they're expected to live independently and once that they're expected to go to uh, lectures and do everything off their own back really and without that exposure in school I don't think university was possible really because once you once you graduate from university that's the question what are you going to do are you going to do a master's are you going to go out in employment really and it's just what I feel like at school is for dis for disability people I think it really hones your social skills really because if you're at school and you're autistic really I mean you, you do have a fertile ground to uh, test your social skills um, at school you may they may look people may look at you differently for your autism and disabilities but it does give you the opportunity to do that and then that is very important in university once you strike up friendships with people and all that you go to these you go to you meet people that have been invited to the schools and the colleges in the union like guest speakers employers if you don't end up speaking to them if you don't end up um going outside of your own shell at these educational institutions then how are you going to progress in life because i i mean there's some employers that i've met in, in school some people i've met in school like some there's some people i've met in college or employers i've met in university if i didn't um have that uh, practice in so in my social skills at school how how would i how, how would I how would I make how would I progress my own future of my learning really because um, it's just like going to university and just remaining inside my own skin and not uh, mingling with anyone really and that 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 would seem pretty hard at university because if you're not open-minded and I mean then you're not going to succeed I, I know some examples of when people they they forgot about they didn't go to university on the grounds that they didn't have they didn't have the confidence to go to university and I thought to myself well they just done FE colleges they don't they done FE courses at college where whereas I met um, a director of Cardiff University I speak to him a lot and his project they does to get disabled children into into university. It's just um, many people go over those over those uh, so over those um, confidence issues, and these disabled people go on to university. They actually achieve quite a lot, really. And I and I feel like that exposure with inclusivity schools is um, is extremely important. As well as well, I what I think to myself is I always felt like I was treated differently in schools. But um, I thought to myself, we're all the same, really. And um, and what is normal? What is normal? Absolutely. Because, I mean, with common people, in some ways, in some ways, they get the answers wrong. And whereas disabled people with people with autism and all that, they, they, they some of them are, are extremely bright. And um, it just shows it's just it's more it's more equality. And I, and I feel like um, people with disabilities I feel like um, I feel like inclusive schools are excellent for them. Yeah and um, I agree I think that 
um, that obviously you've got to get to the right school. Um, I guess for me, I was very isolated, but then again, it it's you got to get up, you got to like hit hit the right jackpot really in the right school for for the individual really, and I think that. Yeah, it is important for for disabled people to be integrated because you, like I said, is that is that um you can get other students or other pupils to recognise that disability is just a label. So yeah. Um, the other question I want to ask you, Kyle, is that obviously why why are um inclusive schools so important? Um, not just for disabled students, but for students without disabilities too? Well, exclusive schools are important really because, as I mentioned before, it's exposure. Because if, if you do not have uh, disabled students in schools, how do they know of um, about the real world? And vice versa, really, because if you don't have students who don't see people with disabilities, I remember when I um, went to school when I went to uh, England um, you don't see disabled people that much where I where I lived I mean you got the inclusive schools but you, you got a special school right down the road most special schools they go to like and um, there was a lot of there was a lot of um, prejudice when I was at school about um, common students and people people with disabilities really and that's the thing if these disabled people weren't in the schools or the colleges or the universities then I think a fair I think prejudice builds among the um, common students really um, because they don't understand these disabled people and they they may think they're crippled they may think they're uh, they've got poor abilities and yeah it's a common thing where um, prejudice grows if it's based on based based on fear they don't understand and I feel like um, for common students being exposed to disabled students it really really exposes them to change their mindset really and I feel like um, I mean it's not pushing equality down their throats really but when you think of it disabled people are human beings too what what um, I mean what separates them from common people um, what's uh, why, why can't they attend the same school? And I, I feel like with them in the same school system, I think that really, um, I think that really exposes um, them together. And I feel like breaks the ice and uh, discourages prejudice, really, because um, and I think that's I think that's very important as well. And I, I feel like um, that's on a groundwork point of view as well. And I, I feel like it's important as well because um i mean when you think of it on on a educational basis really it's just like i mean it's embedded in law it's law to give equal opportunities to anyone regardless of their disability and um i feel like um people with disabilities in school have got much more of a chance in life than com than common students really and um i think I think um, it's incumbent on the schools to do that by the law, as well as colleges, as well as universities, as well as employers as well. So um, it's just like, because if you don't put the practical steps of inclusion in, uh, I mean, I mean, the governments and 
someone are just going to think, oh, that's fine. We just we just have a section for disabled people, have a section for common students, really. And and then then society will not be really equality, really. I mean, it's like it's very important for the, the governments to really do this now because it's practical because you're dealing with children's lives. I mean, school is when they go into the school system when they're nearly three years old and they get out of the school system when they're when they're in their 20s, 30s, even 40s. It depends. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, students go students go back to university whenever. And if you um, if you don't put the practical steps of um, mixing people with disabilities and people without disabilities together i mean how can you um how can you pursue your equality agenda for your governments really yeah i agree i think it's just opening people's minds uh, really and and it's important to to get the choice of whether you want to go to a integrated school but also a specialized school and i just think that um sometimes um teachers have got to uh, got to know that disabled people um can can some disabled people can work the same speeds as non-disabled people and basically learn the same the same amount of work that's provided to them as as non-disabled people i think that it's just it's just it's just basically written down and people and teachers gotta know that disabled people are the same and and can be learned this exactly the same as non-disabled people personally but yeah um thank you kyle anyway for being on this podcast and um, i hope to do one again with you soon thank you thank you and finally i catch up with orpa who's working on our girls education challenge program out in kenya um orpa has been working really hard to help ensure that children continue learning at this time um, and working hard herself so just as a precursor you may hear some children in the background of the interview but I think that just speaks volumes for the times that we're in right now and what we're all doing to adapt and continue our hard work. Let's hear from Orpa. So Orpa thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Could you just start by explaining what your role is and the type of work that you do on inclusive education programmes? I'm a technical inclusive education advisor, and that means I work with different stakeholders, ensuring that uh, Leonard Cheshire's approach to inclusive education is taken in by the different stakeholders. And this means that I work with uh, I work with the teachers. For teachers, we basically we need that to ensure that they are trained to, to teachers and aid teachers to understand what inclusive education is, to understand their role at school level, and understand what the children do need what the needs of the children those especially the children with disabilities and we also work with the school stakeholders to create accessible learning environments so it basically ensuring that our schools where we are working are accessible but that means it's not just the physical learning environment it also means that the learning materials are also become accessible the other area that uh, we touch is ensuring that parents and families understand their children so that children can live in a home that they, their needs are met and they are also enabled to go, come to school. The other area is, uh, of my work is working with um, basically the Ministry of Education, other ministries 
and civil society because it's about ensuring that inclusive education is institutionalized as, as an, an, an issue of the, of, of the people, the government. So that is where we come in with advocacy, but also in ensuring that they are understanding their roles. Basically, this would be taken without inclusive education. They would think that children must learn in irregular in special schools, in segregated schools. And also, we work with people where the identification of the children. So all these make inclusive education become a reality in every country where I'm working, like in Kenya, where I'm currently working in the GECT project. So just to explain that to our listeners, so that's the, the Girls Education Challenge project, isn't it? Yes. So obviously the pandemic has been affecting countries all around the world and kind of grinding things to a halt and changing the way that things are operating. So how has the pandemic affected the Girls Education Challenge and how have you been supporting families and children to carry on learning during the lockdown? Yeah, the, the pandemic really affected learning, seriously affected learning, because when schools were closed, children had to go home. And I think in this country, where people have never been used to having children at home for a long time, it's been, it's been one of the nightmares. Having children home, and for Leonard Cheshire, children, girls who have disabilities, having them home, and so we, we, we were worried and already we realized that it was going to happen that when girls are just now at home and they are not doing anything, then you find that issues of child protection, safeguarding also becomes an issue. We are getting cases of girls being defiled, but also we, we, we realized that then learning also stopped because at home, the, these are children who are coming from one of some of the most disadvantaged families. Sometimes uh, disabilities are caused by factors that are just poverty related. So this, many of these parents also are parents who, unless guided, they, they're not likely to make their children be able to learn at home. So learning is also, has, was also affected. But the pandemic came with its own issues because again, even economically, the, the families became impoverished because people were not going to work. So in those areas, that's how they were, the girls were affected. They are living in families where parents are not going to work. Some of their jobs, some people just lost their jobs. And uh, during this same pandemic, we also have this same time, we also have floods during the, so which also really affected how the pandemic was affecting people because some people even lost their homes in the areas where we were. The flood was not pandemic related, COVID related, but when it came and people are already poor, they can't go to work, it even made life worse for, for the girls. So what sort of things have you been doing then during this time to try and help ensure that children are still able to learn during the lockdown and, and carry on that education? We, we, we thought of developing an information resource pack about COVID-19. And this one has been shared by my UNICEF. We gave it to UNICEF because it's one document that was going to help people to understand how to work with children, with, with children who have disabilities at home. Because now it affected learning, but here, are girls who have go and remain staying at home. So that one, part of the, that, that, that information path, resource path, 
was also how parents can also work with their children. If my child has visual impairment and I want to, have to support her in learning, how would I do it? Because some of these were things that parents did we had not thought of bringing parents in. Until now, we thought they, were, they also had to become teachers. So this one was going to be a way of also creating awareness to parents. So we used awareness on radios so that parents understand how they can work with their children. If they feel as this impairment, how would you, how, when you are teaching or you're working with them at home, what would you do? Your girl is having hearing impairment, your girl is having intellectual disability, what type of information would you give? Would you give? So that was that same part and other things in, in terms of how children can be protected. But again, we were ensuring that children, we, were, we kept on monitoring using the, the mobile phones, call, making calls at home to ensure, check how the children were learning and they are not loitering. Some teachers were sending children um, papers, uh, I mean exam papers, so that they could, should continue, they could continue learning. But one area of learning that we did is we even still, we continue to train teachers. We were supposed to have done a training. Teachers were still also communicating with the children. Our staff were communicating to ensure that children learning using, when children using their books. There were also radio lessons from the Kenya National Care, KICD is Kenya, Institute of Curriculum Development on the radios and also on the television, but these ones could not be accessed by all children. So children who could not access these were accessing, I mean, being supported by peers, by older brothers, but also by teachers still supporting them from distance. Because on their phones, teachers would send, would send um, uh, what, assignments and children do, and that is what was happening during this COVID. Is there talk now of um, school children going back to school anytime soon and, and how are you kind of preparing for that for the future? One thing that we, have, we want to do is to ensure that work, work with the government, very important government ministries. We are going to work with the Minister of Education, we are going to work with the Minister of the Interior that is in charge of the uh, local administration because that this is going to be very important so that when children are going to get back to school, we are sure that they are going to be protected. They are going to go to schools that are going to to take care of their of their take care of their say, security safety in terms of contracting the, the, the sickness. So that is one area before they re-enroll, but it will also mean a lot of sensitization. We are still likely to use the radio. We are still likely to use the short messages so that parents are prepared when their children are going to school to ensure that the way to school is safe and also when the children are in school, how do they interact? This is part of what we are planning. And again, when they are going to get back to school, we are going to provide individualized support to learners, these girls with disabilities. Because of child protection, we are going to do ensure there are others who have been abused so already we are still working with them on the psychosocial support. We are going to provide individual support for learners, for these girls who have disabilities, who have experienced child protection issues. Because by this day, when they are going back to school, some people may hear that they were abused. So how is this child going to get back to school? Because that means the school has to be prepared, the whole school, in terms of the teachers, in terms of the peers, so these are things that we are really taking into consideration.
And the other one is um, that we are going to sensitize the teachers and the head teachers, because they are the ones who are supposed to ensure that the school is accessible as well as the school is, is, is going to, how they are going to ensure that the social distancing, what will be happening. So a lot of sensitization to the head teachers, teachers and the school board of management, very important. If we can get a way of getting into some of the meetings of the board we will, or any, any other person, but we'll do what we can to ensure that, the, that they understand that when children are coming back to school, they are coming to a safe environment. Safety in terms of, in terms of the fact that school people are closed for a very long time, it's now a strange place, but also safety in terms of COVID-19. How, how is the social distancing? What will the government be doing? But they also have to do what the government says. But you know, our girls are very vulnerable, so we have to take extra caution when they are going back that things are, are correct. The other one that I wanted to say is uh, that we continue to provide assistive devices. They may come back when some of the assistive devices are broken because they have, we, when they were school teachers used to monitor, our staff would monitor. But now that they've been at home, you may find that a child with a hearing aid, the hearing aid may not be working. So that is one thing that will really ensure that when the girls are coming back, will ensure that those ones with assistive devices, their assistive devices will be working well. And I said that we train during the COVID-19, we are going also to make sure we do follow up, that the teachers who are trained virtually, what are they going to do? We train them as TOTs from virtual learning. What would they be doing better? Now that because these are people who should also be able to understand these issues of COVID-19. So basically, these are some of the things we have put in plan that when children will be going back to school, then we'll ensure that the environment they are going to go to is safe. That's great. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. It's, it's really interesting to kind of hear how you're adapting and, and preparing mm -hmm. as well. well. Thank you. So I think we've heard some really interesting perspectives on inclusive education and the value of those programmes and what it means to different people. And we've also learned a lot about the hard work that's been going on around the world to ensure that children with disabilities are supported during this time and the work that's been going on during lockdown to adapt and continue that learning during what is a very uncertain time. As always, we really want to know what you think and if there's any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. So please do email us at disabilitydownload at leonardcheshire.org or DM us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at Leonard Cheshire on both. And please do remember to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Until next time, I'm Erin, and this has been the Disability Download. <laughs>